1: Hey, everyone. It's our favorite time of the year here at the Black Effect. We're heading to Atlanta for the 2024 Black Effect Podcast Festival and we're not going alone. Nissan is back as our partner, and they're continuing their Pitch Your Podcast Lounge at the festival, where you'll have the opportunity to pitch your podcast idea live and share it with a Black Effect team. So get those podcast ideas ready. And remember, you can count on Nissan to dial up the thrill in your adventures, no matter where life takes you. Visit blackeffect.com forward slash podcast festival for more details.
3: Tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash and loss of appetite.
4: This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback.
5: What's up, family? It's your girl, Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the General. And we are your host of Street Politicians, the the place where the the streets and politics meet. What's going on, my son? Lennon, the General.
6: Listen, man, long weekend. Kids driving me crazy, but I'm here. Kids driving you crazy.
5: You love it. You love it. I I love to see. I was watching the video. Uh, earlier where a first of all I took note of the amount of fathers since I've been traveling you know obviously we always traveling somewhere over this summer um, how many fathers are with their kids on like taking them somewhere flying them back and forth and you know running through airports handling their children and then um, I was watching a video where the father was telling his daughter to jump off the dresser into his arms and she was like I can't do that and he was like yes you can yes you can yes you can and it was such a good video and I I said that fathers matter like and we have to as a community make sure that we are always um just uplifting our dads because it's, it's it's not easy it's not easy to deal with the worlds and the stress and the pressure and the push and pull. It's not easy to try to work and provide for your family at the same time, you know, having to try to be present for your kids. Cause I see the struggles and trust me, I know the struggles just thinking about Angelo raising his daughter, uh, attorney Angelo Pinto, our partner at, at um, until freedom and just knowing how much like y'all too, we on the road and you like, I got to. I got to go this time. And he's like, I got to get back this time. And it's back and forth because you guys are trying your best to be there for your children. And, I, you know, we just have to always just acknowledge that Black dads are in the mix and Black dads matter.
6: Yeah, we've been outside, man. You know, it's, 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 it's funny when you hear this narrative because I don't really know a lot. And there probably are. There are definitely deadbeat dads and fathers who don't want to be with their children or don't do the necessary things to do to be, that it takes to be with their children, you know? But for the most part, man, men like those are our reflections, man. Especially, you know, when they're young, the young, like you want you want to really impose an imprint on your life. You know, I, I haven't been fortunate enough to have a daughter, but I have sons and I know how important wanting them to have certain values and understand as the life it is for me to make sure that I'm there instilling these things because i know what it what it looks like when you don't you know what i'm saying i know Mm -hmm. when you're not there you're not able to have that imprint on your child you know because everybody's an individual and your child's gonna have his own mind and his own you know understanding but the foundation that you give that child is very important man You know, so uh, most fathers i know understand that because either they had that or they didn't have it so either way, they understand how important it was in their lives, So because they, you know, they like, damn, I wish I had a father to do this, or you know, I've, I, I'm glad that my father did this. Mm-hmm. So there's there's that duality, and, and most men do one. So I'm I'm glad that lately, you know, we live in the social media era where you probably yeah. able to see it a lot more.
5: Yeah, and people are talking about dads more and appreciating more. I think at some point um, we begin to realize that. There was a false narrative being uh, created about dads, you know, black black fathers not being in the household or not taking care of their children. Because, you know, I think you can you can be consistent as long as you're consistent with kids. That's what matters the most. And there was starting to be a negative narrative that I think people start realizing that, hey, we have to be much more intentional about showing the other side. Um, And I think, you know, you mentioned that there are deadbeat dads, but there's also deadbeat moms, right? There are deadbeat moms that even though they may be great mothers, they still put their children's fathers through hoops and and loops to be with the kids for whatever issues they may have. I posted or I sent around. I didn't post it because I never would. But I think uh, Brother Ben X posted a video of a woman who... Um, you know, she's talking to her husband or her husband starts taping her talking to him about child support payments in relation to some new sneakers that the kid that the mother said the child needs. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, you don't need to buy them those damn sneakers. Like, what are you talking about? You already giving them five hundred dollars a month. $500 a month. That's, a, that's a lot. Like, you know, that's enough. What, you know, that you already, she should get anything she needs out of the child support, which we know is impossible. That's not realistic. And that's not being a parent, Um, you know, a, a father to your child, a parent in general. But then she goes and says, oh, and F that child and F you too. And I said, that was the end of the marriage for me right there is nothing else to talk about because there are women out here That is how they approach life. So I think being honest about all of that and doing and and making sure we promote, um, you know, all good fathers, good mothers, good, good co-parenting, good parents, good marriages, good families. That's what black people need to hear about, you know, more Mm -hmm. of. And where there are challenges, people need to understand navigating through that as well. Because for me, as a mom, I certainly know the mistakes that I made. And because I talk about them, I get feedback from a lot of mothers who are like, man, I'm, I'm career driven and I realize that my child, you know, suffered as a result. So anyway, that's another conversation. We should probably do a show on that.
6: That is the whole show. you know, and I'm glad that you did that about the Debbie moms. Cause I get a lot of flack, right? For not always calling out women. Right? And 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 that's something that I've learned in. Relation to dealing with you and Linda and Carmen and all of the, the the women around us. That my job is not really to call out women about women shit all day, right? Because women have to call themselves to things. So a lot of times when I'm speaking, I'm I'm crit- way more critical of men because in my, and not so much that I hold them to a higher standard. I just hold them for me right I just think in in life in general there's a certain level of fortitude that men supposed to have certain levels of understanding and responsibilities that I think that we should possess that we should not look to women to possess the same things and it's not that we're greater or, or there is an equality but there's an equality based on differences right there's you y'all do some things better than we do, and we do some things, and we're accountable for some things that you're not, right? So the things that I feel like we're accountable for as men, I'm going to hold you to that. I'm not going to say what about women, and, and and don't tell me about what about women when I'm talking about man shit. I don't I don't want to hear that conversation when I'm talking about what men should be doing, how we should be carrying ourselves. I don't want to hear you tell me, well, what about women? That's not really something that I want to do. So I get a lot of flack from men. Oh, you, you know, you always picking up No, I'm talking about what men should do. I don't. Well, I, I don't agree. I don't
5: agree that you do that all the time.
6: Well, I mean, I don't, I don't
5: agree. Well, I mean, I, don't I think just don't can. because because you do have a very specific feeling about how women should behave or move. In order to be in relationship with, not I don't mean physical or what uh intimate relationship with men. So you'll be like, women shouldn't, you know, wear this or do this or that if you don't want this type of response from a man. But that's
6: but that's you may tell you why, because that's that's a, a I'm giving you, I can only give you how men are going to respond to what you do, right? So that's a different thing based on what men should do, right? You. You can tell me, women can tell me, okay, if men do this, this is how women are going to respond. Mm -hmm. Right? That's that's a different thing because I've never been a woman. I can't tell women, hey, yo, you need to do this. I'm just telling you that if you do this, the average man is going to respond this way. I I know that because I've been a man my whole life. Well, all I want to say is that I I
5: still don't agree, but it's a topic for another day. So we could get into it on another time, excuse me, we could get into it at another time. So I can tell you why I don't know that it's true. And you know what I'll do. I'll sit there and write down or put in my phone every time you do it and then come back and say, look at this, look at that. But anyway, because my opinion, based upon talking to you and also Angelo, often as we move about this country, y'all always got something to say about what I need to do. But anyway, let me tell you, I want to give a
6: uh, huh? I give you, trying to give you some game.
5: Man. Yeah, right. Anyway, um, I want to give an update from last week's show, too, because last week we talked about uh, the city manager in Keen- Keenley, North Carolina, uh, Justine Jones, and how, how the, the entire Kenley. police department Kenley? Okay. Kenley, sorry you know listen this is the one thing we do is tell one another when we're saying something wrong so anyway um in in Kenley North Carolina um this woman Justine Jones she uh became city manager and for some reason the entire police department resigned so as of when we were on the show we talked what about it. so she was a black woman right she's a black woman you remember the whole story what? she's a black woman. City manager became, uh, uh, city, she became city manager and the police department. Most people on the force resigned. And remember, I was saying white
6: right people, right?
5: Right. So I, we were saying we didn't know much of the details. We didn't we couldn't say for sure because she could just be a crazy out of her mind or let me not say crazy, but she could be a very rude and disrespectful person or she could be unreasonable. We can't say that every black woman or every black person in general is, you know, doing the right thing that would make a police department resign. But we said more than likely we we get the scenario. So after the show, people started calling and they won. I got calls from people who are close to us that are, you know, Black women who are working, um, you know, uh, especially in the wind with Black women's space, which is a space where Joteka Edie, our friend, uh, she started a space where Black women, powerful Black women get together to, um, you know, really influence culture, influence change. Uh, and, and really just be on the backs of any and everybody who thinks that they can discard or discredit or, or uh, and I do mean that, discard, discredit. So if you a Black woman and you're doing good things um, and all of a sudden the, the, the attacks start coming against you, this network will join together to push back, right? But also um, in situations where Black women are being disrespected. And so I, our suspicion was correct mostly or mainly majority white people, lots of white men, and she wants to see change. She wants to see accountability. And so as a result of that, these folks have resigned because they are not going to, they don't wanna bend. They don't wanna bend. They don't wanna be held accountable. And I say, let them go. I say, recruit new people. I say walk walk through and work with the community to figure out techniques and bring national leaders like us in to help them with techniques for dealing with community issues Mm -hmm. while also recruiting other people to become officers. I say don't go back and get the ones that don't want to do- They don't want
6: to be there. Yeah, because they're not- Because you're trying to move something forward, right? And these people have, you know, they have a- um, primitive mind state and, they, and they're not trying to evolve and they're not trying to move. And a racist
5: people. mindset.
6: That also, you know, and, and and racism is primitive, right? So a lot of people haven't evolved to where we're ready, you know, where we are right now. So, you know, you got to get new people with new ideas ready to embrace, you know, and engulf upon new things, find you some new energy. There's a lot of people out there that want to be part of, you know, the um, police and, and they need opportunities, man. Let's get some new, fresh Fresh minds, man. Fresh ideas. People who really want to see the beloved community, who reimagine what policing look like.
5: Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's got to be it. So that was just the update from last week, because, you know, I want to make sure that people know that we did do some research and got some calls and we've heard a lot about it. Uh, Before we get to our main topic for today, Airbnb. First of all, I love black people. I love Black people. I'm actually, as we know, this is Black August, which is a time of revolution, revolutionary thought. Think about the Haitian Revolution. uh, Think about even Rosa Parks and other major things that have happened in in Black history. Even the March on Washington, it happened during August. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Black August has been coined as a term, as a thing. And now... Uh, As we sit in the middle of Black August, I'm actually in a place where a lot of bougie Black people come, but they come together to raise money for important candidates. They come together for uh, opportunity for Black young people, Black kids to be able to run free and live their lives without uh, terrorism from police and white supremacists and even terrorism from themselves. Um, And, you know, there is opportunity for networking, a lot of fundraising for organizations go on, and it's in uh, Martha's Vineyard. Um, And, you know, again, it is the the talented 10th of Black America that get together every year. Uh, and, as I sit here and think about it, Airbnb is one of the big things up here. There's lots of airbnbs. And I was thinking about that video that I showed you where the airbnb where the Airbnb had a slave cabin, and the guy I love black people. Because the Black man is explaining how this is a slave quarters here. And these people think it's okay. And the white people are in the comment section like, what oh, I really went there. You can <laughs>
6: feel slavery and it's like so real.
5: It's so real. We learned so much. This, this experience. And he's like, no, there's running water here. Yeah. There's electricity. And it's just the way he and does it. The nobody deal. whipping your
6: ass. There's nobody with. <laughs>
5: Right. right. In. Coming in, have, having forceful sex with you at night. Those things so, but hopefully, they put the video in here. Anyway, Airbnb has apologized. And I was just thinking about that because as we were pulling up here in this town, as you know, uh, people rent houses everywhere, and Airbnb is a thing. And so, as I was pulling up in the town, I was thinking to myself, I hope I'm not staying in a slave <laughs> cabin. Okay it's not funny but it is it's a
6: lot man we just it's right, we just got to deal too much sometimes man. Yeah.
5: let's bring our guests in so we can talk about our main topic of the day so we're uh you know us and our friends my son that's the that is the running uh talk of street politicians that we have so many friends doing so many great things across the nation Uh, And our friend, Attorney Lee Merritt, who is not a stranger to street politicians, but it's been a while since um, since he's been on, is joining us today to talk about two of his cases um, that are important to us. Like we've been talking a lot, you know us. We 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 always talk about how we have the court of public opinion, and then there is the actual court. And in the court of public opinion, sometimes we weigh in heavy on our feelings about certain issues, and certainly. When you get started, you don't stop. It's, it's day seven or something and you still talking about the issue. And I done said what I said and left the people online to just argue with each other.
6: You know, when I have a position, you know, and I'm not a person that had, comes by a position lightly. So I like to have, you know, facts and things to back up what it is that I'm saying rather than just because the Internet is full of people who just talk. Right. And they don't have any facts. They don't have anything to support their arguments. They just say, hey, this happened, this, this, and this is what's going on. And I don't like that. So I like to be fact driven. I like to come back with situations that I can, that people can relate to, to point to other things. I like to be able to point to law, statute, all types of things to support my situation. So sometimes it don't be one day. It take about five or six days for you to get all that information.
5: No, it it really doesn't. Because the thing I keep trying to tell you is that the people who understand or are even open to understanding, they already got it from the first two or three days. It's people who are committed, committed to not agreeing with you. And especially people who hate Black women, including Black people. And then there's the trolls. So I don't have time for it. I said what I said and I'm I'm done.
1: Hey, everyone. I am so excited. The Black Effect is live. This April 27th, the 2024 Black Effect Podcast Festival is headed to Atlanta's very own Pullman Yards. Last year was incredible. And this year will be even more thrilling, especially with Nissan coming back along for the ride. Nissan is returning with some empowering activations to support black excellence in the STEAM fields. Have a podcast idea you've been eager to share with the culture? Well, Nissan is back with a Pitch Your Podcast Lounge. You'll have the chance to record your podcast idea and have it shared with a Black Effect podcast network team. But that's not all. Nissan is taking the stage to spotlight some of the HBCU scholars from their own Thrill of Possibility Summit, Nissan's action-packed weekend of community building, mentorship, and professional development for HBCU scholars pursuing professions in STEAM. The Black Effect Podcast Festival is the event to be at. You won't want to miss this because no matter where life takes you, Nissan will dial up the thrill of your adventures. Visit blackeffect.com forward slash podcast festival for more details.
4: at purdueglobal.edu. That's how we
5: own it! Here's the story of Angel Geis. And today we have Attorney Lee Merritt on uh, to help us talk about this issue. Uh, It is extremely disturbing to me. The amount of people who somehow are able to justify what happened to um, Miss Geis because of, you know, are able to justify her being arrested the way she was arrested um, in that video, just because the police department put out some other pieces that supposedly make people see something that I still have an issue with. Um, And I want to hear from you on it. I'll give you my short take on this situation. uh, And then, you know, we can kind of go from there. What I have been saying to people is that the conversation we're having about a Black woman's attitude is a secondary conversation. We could talk about respecting law enforcement. We could talk about that. I don't have an issue with that. I'm not even going to argue with folks on that point because everybody is going to approach situations the way that they think they should, and we all have to deal with the consequences of such. So I'm not, you know, I'm not going to argue with that. What I am arguing is exact is what I never saw. I didn't get a chance to see it until my son happened to put up the full video and I was able to see from the very, very beginning. And it is that in the very, very beginning of this video that is my issue. And I know you have other legal things as the video goes on, you have other legal things. But my issue, and I think the issue that we have to where we have to stay especially as leaders and activists and people who are fighting against uh, the system and trying to change the system, is that the mere fact that she was getting a ticket in the first place is problematic. And that we, we should be, and cities should be, and our federal government should be looking for ways to limit the amount of conversation and interaction between police and civilians who may get upset. They may feel whatever kind of way. And I think that's for the officer's safety and the civilian safety, right? When you pull up to two people, and y'all correct me if I'm wrong about this, you pull up to two people and they're standing there pretty much loving up on one another in the park after hours. Are they wrong for being in the park after hours? Yeah, because the rules are the rules, right? But you approach them and say, I don't know where you're from. Uh, You look like you're from out of town. You got Ohio, please. But you can't be in this park after a certain time. From my perspective, if they when they said, "Okay, gotcha, let them go. But I understand if there have been shootings in the park that you might need to get their ID because you can't just say just because it's a couple. They're not dangerous, armed. They haven't just committed a crime. Fine. So let's take it to the next step that you need to run their license to, to see if they're clear. Then you run the license and the license says they no warrants, nobody's looking for them. They're not uh, enemy number one. At that point, I believe that this system should be set up to say, go home or come out of the park. So now, okay, so I gave my, This is this is where I feel the issues start, right? And that there's too much, conversation after that and now you want somebody to sign a ticket and all of that that creates what we saw at the end but you guys could tell me if maybe i'm misplacing or not understanding the full context
6: i mean i think from off before lee gives you know his his legal and understanding professionalism i think for me that is very much an issue you know i think when we talk about community policing when we talk about community and police relations and we talk about how do we repair that, this was a classic example of how not to repair, how to further divide that, right? Because from the initial, when he got out the car and he said that, and they, they, they when he said, you can't be in the park, they said, oh, thank you. Like, they were prepared to just leave. Like, you know, they thank got you. Got it,
5: they said, got, it. They got it, got and
6: it. And they said, oh, thank you, we got it. And we're about to leave. know and and once you took the id they're like okay we we ain't really did all right but cool we're gonna give you the ids and i think at that point you know people are saying she had an attitude and i think when she watched the boy the man go over there and 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 was signing this ticket or whatever was giving the ticket she was completely confused because i would have been confused i would have been confused how i'm sitting in the park is i'm not in the park deep in the park on the benches I'm not where it's dark at. I'm not, like, we weren't a threat. You knew we didn't have a threat. You took our identifications. You acknowledged that the the plates weren't from here. Everything about this made, you didn't, you went to your car with our identifications because you didn't see us as a threat. You didn't call for backup. You didn't do any, there was no, at no point did you think that we were doing anything criminal, right? So at that point, if we're trying to resolve the the, the divide between, you know, the, the, the community and police, at that point, you show some level of community, right? You show that you're part of the community. You show, okay, you weren't aware of this situation. You're not really from here. You know, I'm gonna let you go with a warning. You know, it's a lot of things going, make make me feel like you're trying to make me safe. You know, a lot of things going on in this park. You know, don't we don't want you in here, something can happen. Thank you, officer. And and I'm gonna leave with a good impression, like damn this officer, thank you, officer. And and it feel like you're part of our community, that you you're for the betterment of us. But instead, what you decide to do is you try to decide to issue a citation, which basically means that either I have to report to a court here, you know I'm not even from here, or I have to pay a fine if I don't, if I'm not prepared to come back and forth to a land of the fight ticket. So now you, you've you made a decision that you're going to really impose your power on me. You're going to, you know, you're going to do something that's going to put a, a damper on my life. Like, for what? For what why like what and you didn't have to do it it wasn't there's no mandate that you give somebody a citation for being in the pub there's no mandate that i sign no mandate these are all discretionary, discretionary. things right. you know and, and and you made it upon your discretion to 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 do things to impose things you know that are going to cause my life a, a level of conflict that i don't really want that i don't even really need so it's so now of course i'm aggravated You know, so for me, it's like, what, what is the, what are the police trying to do? Are they, are you complete law and order and you just want people to fear you and see you as some level of power? Are you trying to be in community with the community? You know, do you want, like, I don't understand what it, what is the goal of the police? People saying that's their job. They're here for, well, if if that's the job that you have, then you can't be mad that people don't like you. Mm -hmm. You can't be mad that there's an issue because if every time I see you, I know you're strictly there to impose some laws or tell me what I'm doing wrong and, you know, put barriers in my life, something that's going to cause me some level of, I'm going to have to pay money or go to court. Mm -hmm. Inconvenience. Yeah. Like if you, if, you your, if your job is completely to inconvenience me, why do I like you? Why would I even want to be around you? Why would I participate, you know, with anything that you're involved in? And that's what it, that's the main thing it is for me. But I'll let Lee talk. There's a couple of other things, but I'll let Lee get into you know the legal aspect. I just
5: wanted you to hear Lee how we feel, and yeah. now we'll listen to what you have to say.
8: Yeah. Obviously, I, I believe in Miss Geis's position in terms of having her rights violated as a citizen because I took on her case. Uh, But I've been hearing a lot of the national feedback uh, or pushback from the other side that is really demanding that Ms. Geis takes responsibility for her own actions, right? So people are saying, well, yeah, he may have done this wrong, he might've done this wrong, Uh, but really the onus was on her because she she did show deference to the police officer, right? Uh, She didn't humble herself before the police officer. And my concern is that most of the police encounters that uh, result in, in in really tragic situations, um, uh, both from Zha and his apartment complex, a Tatiana Jefferson shot to death and playing video games with her nephew, um, you, know, you, you name it. Um, you'll have a, a, an instance where law enforcement is interacting with someone and that person is supposed to show deference to that officer, but you never know how you're gonna catch someone. Uh, what, state, what state you catch a man at all. We, we can't expect black people, to, we can't always put the onus on black people or victims of police brutality uh, to show deference to police culture because we accept that it's so violent. And um, I, I, I think most people don't put the proper emphasis on this case because she was just arrested. And it's almost like she chose to get arrested. But number one, an arrest is violent, right? Like the whole idea of being um, taken out of your setting and placed in a cage, she was she was describing an experience to me. And like you all, I shared that experience. So I understood what she was going through, but smelling that piss and steel, uh, laying awkwardly in the back of that, that police car that it's not built to have people in there handcuffed um, you know, being stripped of your clothes, putting on that orange uniform, all because she didn't want to sign a citation. Like, in our society, we said that's okay. Like, we accept a society that will allow allow someone to go through that dehumanizing process because they didn't show deference to a police officer. The way I look at that police officer, he's a meter maid, right? You're outside after dark. You're not supposed to be here. Uh, here's your ticket. Oh, you showed me attitude. I'll get over it because I'm just a meter maid. I'm not someone so important that you after lord or like show me deference and respect to you can give me an attitude that's fine i was a school teacher i got attitude from y'all badass kids all the time as your as a civil rights attorney i can get attitude from every client that i have right it's part right. of the process I, I don't understand why cops get to live above that in our society
6: and, and that's what my issue is. And was. I didn't
8: get into the legal part. I can get into the legal part. Yeah, but we want
5: to hear that too. We want, to
6: hear the, we want to hear the legal part.
8: Yeah. So that's just my response emotionally as a father, as, as a, um, um, a dad. Oh, this is the same thing. <laughs> as a Black man. Um, from, from a legal standpoint, the citizen is the person with the power, right? Uh, they call those people public servants because they are public servants. They're servants to the citizens. That officer was actually serving those citizens. Hey, this is a dangerous park. I'm glad he warned them about that because that is, in fact, a dangerous park. Now, the danger there is because of poverty in the area. People are sleeping and homeless in that, in that park and they're robbing people like them who are hanging out trying to have a good time, right? So his job is to show up and say, don't come back. And his job was even to give them a ticket, in my opinion, because they, there was, in fact, a mandate from City Hall saying, hey, violence is increasing in this area. Start giving people tickets so they don't come back. That's what's going on on the ground level in, in, in Atlanta. So he was supposed to give him a ticket. She was supposed to have an attitude about it, right? Uh, all, no laws have been broken yet. Um, when she refused to sign the ticket, there's a stupid law. Um, and one of the brothers, one of a, a, a popular civil rights attorney on my page, Brother Isaac uh, from 50 Show. What's Isaac's mm-hmm. last name?
5: Isaac That's Right. Mm-hmm.
8: Now, Isaac made a astute argument why the requirement to uh, add a signature is, in fact, unconstitutional, because you're requiring me to promise to do something that I don't necessarily have to do. Exactly. Now, I can suffer the consequences of not doing it, but I don't have to promise you that's a violation of my freedom of speech. That's a violation of my personal rights. I don't want to make that promise. I'll think about it, right? I'll maybe, I'll it up. Up, maybe I'll show up. I help. might
5: get a lawyer to <laughs> right, help right, me fight it. I might,
8: you know. So, mm-hmm. so that requirement is done. Um, but here, the law doesn't him to make arrests, where the person doesn't satisfy that requirement. So he warned her a couple of times, and she said she wasn't going to sign it, so he started to effectuate an arrest. Excessive force under the law is defined as more force than is necessary to gain compliance. Any for, If I yell at you, in speaking in a normal voice, you are already complying, and I just suddenly start yelling at you, I'm using excessive force, I'm violating the law, right? Um, you have a use of force spectrum that you can go up, uh, where loud commanding voice go hands-on. Then you get into some of those less lethal equipment taser, beanbag, et cetera. And then you have deadly force, right? In order for him to gain compliance, he had the authority to gain compliance for for her to do what? To sign the, uh, to sign the citation. Mm -hmm. If she showed compliance towards that, uh, the thing that he had authority to use force against her for, then the issue was resolved. And so, when I, I say all that to say, I'm, I'm, I'm breaking it down sort of in parts, but I say all that to say, the minute he showed those handcuffs to her, she said, all right, I'll sign the, I'll, I'll sign the citation. He responded, no, I'm not here to play games with you. In other you words, no, to, yeah. I'm in my feelings now, <laughs> right? And now you're going to jail. Well, uh, you being here in your feelings is not sufficient to take someone to jail. You wanted her to comply. She resisted. You decided to show force. Your use of force was sufficient to gain compliance. Everything you did after she said, I'm going to sign was illegal. When you took her to the ground, that was illegal. When you pulled out that taser, that was illegal. When you uh, put your knee into her back, that was illegal. It was excessive. It was more than was necessary to gain compliance was the signature on the sheet of paper.
5: And can I ask, can I ask this Mm -hmm. one question? Mm-hmm. You said that the law, he he has there is a law that allows him to arrest her if or arrest the person if they don't sign. Is mm-hmm. that a requirement or is it his discretion?
8: It's a discretion. It's a discretionary decision. And, and what I said when I responded to this was that it was abuse of discretion, it was poor discretion to say in this part, this person who I've already established is no other threat other than showing me an attitude. Uh, this person is hey, I have I do have their ID, identify in uh, ways to track them after here, right? Uh, I get to use my discretion in this case whether it's worth taking them into custody. It was poor discretion.
6: And I want to know another thing. There's when I when I read the um the um, the law, it states that before you can actually issue an arrest, you are supposed to tell the individual. That this citation does not, when you sign this citation, that it does not mean that you. Not an admission of guilt. Admission of guilt. Yeah. At that point, after you say that to the individual, if they say no, then you can arrest them. And that's I never, it. I ne- I've never heard him say that. And I he, think that's he, very important he because
8: to, he didn't say it to her. He said it to the boyfriend. Um, and yeah, he missed that requirement under the law as well.
6: Yeah, and that's what it is for me. It's like because when she in my from my point of view when she said no I don't that was based on her knowledge of the law because most people have never signed a ticket like I've never been asked to sign a ticket I've had numerous tickets I've been given tickets and nobody ever required me to sign a ticket and if I didn't they was like all right they they write on the back didn't sign refused to sign and, and you still give me a ticket so that's what's happened based on her knowledge of the law she's like no I don't like I, she said, I don't have to sign that, right? He said, yes, you do. She said, no, I don't. You know, and, and at that point, he didn't explain the law to her and say, well, based on the law in Atlanta, if you do yeah. not sign, it does, it does, it's not a, you know, admission of guilt. But And
8: to, and to be clear, knowing Miss Geist now and speaking to her after the fact, that's exactly what she was doing there. She was exer- asserting her rights as she understood them. And she felt because she felt violated by the encounter, by his de- decision to, to, to find him and her companion. She decided that she was going to try to assert her rights because you know she 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 had just a little bit of a, an understanding that she had rights as as a citizen. Um, and this officer was seemed to set out to prove that she didn't. And society has backed him. That's the part. Well, a large sector of our society has backed him in a way that I. I find disconcerting
6: and 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 that brings us to what our topic is. you know we me and Tamika often have these conversations, and you know and it's it's becoming more and more dangerous for me, right because there's this this narrative and this notion that black women you know their passion or they 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 don't listen or they're angry, they have an attitude, and this attitude is what justifies these type of situations happening to them. And, you know, and I, I don't I don't know. I, I, I think when I look back at history, right, and I look at every woman that they said, had a history, I look at, you know, I look at, um, who can we go back to, we can go back to any you can name any woman that may actually made history, they will quote, unquote, said to have had an attitude because they just didn't go for what people were telling them right you know so i think you to celebrate you know this 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 the the fact that you're not willing to just capitulate to things that you know are are not right to celebrate Rosa Parks because she decided that she wasn't going to get up right and 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 to celebrate all of the women throughout history that fought with and, and created most of the movements that pretty much were the backbones of most of these movements who had, were the fire behind the men who they they had forward facing to celebrate that and then say that that same attitude and that same fire and that same will to, to get justice and, and get things that they deserve is, is something wrong. It's yeah. is, is like the biggest contradiction in the world to me. Yeah.
5: Well, I still think that, I mean, the, the bottom line is People have attitude That's it. When they, everybody, people, and that is just is what it is.
8: That's going to be a part of policing, and,
5: and what and, we, what we allow
8: police to do with that. I'm sorry, no, that's going to be a part of policing, and what we allow police to do with that is really going to determine what kind of society we live in. right
5: yeah, but, but we've seen it, white people have not just attitudes. White people don't just have attitudes. They get. They are. They are. Like, they, they, they said are this lady's attitude was so. irate. They talk about your mama and everything else.
6: Like I literally have a video that I, I, I post. I'm going to post where it's a, a white woman. You don't see her, but she's getting pulled over for a ticket, and the officer is talking to her, and she's calling them all types of assholes. She's telling them, "This is why y'all get shot. I see why so many of you get shot." and And he and he's like, "Okay, ma'am, you have a nice day you yeah. know and 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 no these this is common this is common every time I see I've watched white women to call them all types of names and you you ain't shit and throw the throw the tickets at them, rip them up in their face and 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 people act like that right there is okay, but when a a woman has questions and say, Can I have your badge number?" And said, no, I don't have to sign that until you get your badge number. Now, she's the worst person in the world. If she get shot, stabbed, she brought it upon herself. And that that to me is so mind boggling that we have a large part of society that actually agrees with that mentality. And and they only agree with it when it pertains to black women.
5: Mm -hmm. That's right. Only when it comes to black women.
6: Like I said... You know, we, we went to, to hell for, for Mike Brown, as we should have. Like, we was ready to fight. But he went in the store and, and took something out of it. We thought that was some petty shit. And it was. It, was, it was. it didn't never justify what happened to him. But there was something that was done. And we, in the world, went, you know, over, the, was ready to kill everything. Just like what happened with George Floyd. He, he supposedly had a fake 20 We didn't give a fuck about that fake 20 bill. That man shouldn't, the things that happened after that should not have occurred. So why don't we have that same, you know, that same mentality when it comes to our black woman? Why do we think because they're willing to stand up for themselves and they're willing to question and have questions and not willing to just go down that there's a problem? I, I gave us a, a situation, you know, you know, me and Tamika were on American Airlines and a situation happened there. And I was silent, right? For the most part, for the most part, life has taught me my interactions is just take what comes. I went to jail because I was actually literally kind of too scared to fight. I didn't speak up. I made, the, I made a judge, I allowed a judge and a DA to force me to have an attorney that I didn't want because I was scared to speak for myself. I didn't want to say, I don't want this attorney because I was scared of the repercussions and if he All of these things, I was nervous, right? And, 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 and in a lot of situations, I've been nervous. I, and, and my mother and my grandmother have never been nervous about nothing the situations that ought would have been quiet they stood up and a lot of times they 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 understood their rights and they got and, and, and i had to learn that throughout time and even now just watching tamika and watching other black women and watching my they don't bite their tongue and a lot of times it's because they know right from wrong we've been taught as black men and i, I listen to these things just sign it just the dude told, when the officer said to the, the man he said do i have to sign this and he said, you can either sign it or go to jail. That's not, a, that's not a legal term. That's not you explaining to me why I have to sign it. You're just giving me an ultimatum. That's a, basically you're threatening me. You, you're, fear, you, you're instilling fear into me to make me sign something that I don't even know why I got to sign. You still didn't give me a legal explanation on why I have to sign this. Well, because we've been taught to fear officers and fear jail so much, we don't want, we don't want any confrontation. And, and 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 our black women don't have that same fear, you know. And and, and well, I don't some, of them,
5: to... some in, of them do. Some of them do. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that we don't have that fear because there are some who do, um, and there are some who also agree. When you first of all, when you're not talking to trolls, because the a big problem with what we experience online is arguing back and forth or spending so much time focused on people who we don't even know if they're real a lot of times they are fake profiles white people posing as black people um trying to antagonize us and antagonist so this is why I take on the, the role of saying what I have to say putting my position out there and I'll give a little bit, but I don't continue to go too far because I can tell when people are literally harassing me or just trying to cause confusion. But I had a woman come into my DMs and tells me, tell me she respects me so much. And now she thinks I'm crazy because I don't seem to understand this thing. And I sat and I broke down for her what I feel about the tickets, how I felt the woman was antagonized, and how I felt this situation ended up being what it is because this officer is going from step to step to step to step to try to make this woman feel her and her partner feel uncomfortable doing too much is what i felt about it and as i when i finished she said you know what you're actually all right you're right i still think that she put herself in a dangerous situation but you're right and that's fine we can say that but i'm so i'm saying how do we get here how do we get here so anyway that was we just wanted to hear and you could you know of course continue to share lee but we just wanted to hear your opinion on the situation uh
8: i i i strongly agree with both of your position it's which is coming from two people who spent a lot of time challenging police norms right we've been talking about reimagining law enforcement throughout the country recently right and so I you know, every police encounter I'm thinking, man, I, I imagine what might this have looked like if it was done the right way. If it made a meter mate.
5: And and let me say, let me say this. When we um also I think that there is something to be said about this idea that again, civilians who are, you know, may have been drinking or or frustrated for something to happen in their day or going through heartache, whatever, all of those things, right? There's something to be said about making them equals, but then saying that one person has a responsibility to show deference, right? So we make them equal in saying you and the cop need to do whatever, calm it down or have respect But then if he's upset or doesn't like something or she, the officer's upset or doesn't like something, then it's your responsibility also. So you become responsible at every level. Why do we need to pay police? If it's our responsibility to de-escalate the situation, not have an attitude, especially if you're a Black woman, figure out how to get home safe. If you have to do all of that, there is nothing, there's no purpose in having an officer who's gone to training, who gets a paycheck, who has a badge and a gun. We're not on the same level. When you approach me, I am untrained, uncoofed, unfuckwittable, everything you want to say. I'm all of that. And you are the one that's the professional here. So if I go to the restaurant to buy food and they tell me, come in the back, cook the food, clean up after yourself and then pay for it. That does not make sense. Why are you here? Why do you have an establishment?
6: Exactly.
8: And, exactly. and, and to me, because that really gets into what I find to be, the, again, the root of the problem. Uh, we've tried different language on it. One of the one of the languages that we've tried on it is demilitarizing the police. Right. The police officer that she came in encounter with, he was Black. That's a start. We do want to see more Black police officers because the, the data tells us that Black officers are less likely to use force and make a lawful arrest. Uh, but normally, that increases when the Black officer is from the community that they're policing, right? And I don't know that about Officer Brooks here. Um, um, but yeah, we're on our way. The problem is, he's still just like every other Atlanta police officer. who's spent 75% of his training on shoot or don't shoot scenarios on mm. the, on, in target practice, uh, on the shooting range, right? They are military, They're a, a paramilitary standing force in the city of Atlanta. Uh, And so they're they're still, they've gotten the same training uh, that we know officers had during this period that we call the rise of mass incarceration, the last 50 years during the war on so-called drugs, right? Same militarized police are out there doing the same thing, arresting women in the park for being there 30 minutes after closing. Uh, And and so we're getting the same results. We still have Rice Street in Atlanta, overcrowded with people, having inhumane conditions. Uh, and that's something else that Miss Guy's had to learn. A sort of upper middle class young lady who's never been in those jails before. It's something that we've seen in those jails. Mm. There are human rights violations taking place right there Every in those jails. There's people with in me- mental health crisis in those jails being, being stripped of their clothes, being chained to beds. Uh, and when you're a, c- a civilian sort of walking through that, you get to get an up close and personal look at it. It is urgent. I-, I just got off the phone with Mona Harding. We all love, love Mona. That's the mother of Ronald Green. Mm-hmm. And um, she wants to know, you know, everyone agrees now we saw her son beat to death on the side of the road, mm-hmm. begging for his life. She wants to know what we were doing about it today. And okay. We talked about the two times we went to the White House and the time we went out to Baton Rouge, and everybody protested and marched with her and demanded justice. And and she wants to know what we were doing about it today because it's urgent to her. It happened almost three years ago now, but it's still urgent. And. Um, when I look at cases like this, it reminds me of the urgency at a human level. Um, we can't c- continue to let law enforcement get away with the same culture and then protest it later, like during the campaign. It's right. urgent for Miss Geis. It's ur- it's urgent for all of us, and it's all tied to the same conversation. I don't I don't get. I've had people reach out to me like they reached out to you, Tamika, to say. I don't support you on this campaign. I support, I support you on Ahmad. I support you on Ronald Green, I support you on both of them. But this one, I don't support you. And I'm saying they're all the same conversation. It's about our individual rights.
5: So, um, you know, I think we'll be talking about this situation for some time, uh, because now you have uh, joined them. And I, I appreciate you for that, Lee. You're not the attorney, right, my son, that would run and say, well, you know, people don't. There's, there's a mixed feeling, or we're split in the community about this, and so therefore, maybe I shouldn't take the case because one, I think you see the legal side of it, which is not about our thoughts of what should and should and could and whatever. It's the like real legal basis for you know how you feel you can support her, and so I, you know, we want to support you yeah, in doing that. There ain't as definitely well. no
6: smoke, man. We appreciate that,
5: man. That's right. Nice. Don't he's not duck and smoke. So anyway, um, attorney Merritt, you know, I'm I, you you Lee, you are our brother, but you have so many different issues and cases that you are involved in. And we have to always remind ourselves of how much you are working every single day. Um, and this is a case that you have been fighting for some time and working with two sisters who have become our sisters, um, the Monterosa sisters, as we like to call them. Um, and Tell us about Sean Monterosa. the Vallejo uh, department, a uh, police department killed him.
3: Sure. Um,
5: and I just want you to remind people about what happened to this very special young man uh, that by all accounts we know should be with us today.
8: Absolutely. And I'm going to allow the Montarosa sisters to tell their brother's story and talk to you all about who he was. And they've done such a phenomenal job doing uh, doing that. Not only, uh, for the community of Vallejo, where they're from, uh, but all over the nation, uh, but I do want to put the case of uh, what happened to our brother in context and talk to uh, the community about why it's so important that we all continue to back uh, the Monterosa sisters uh, for justice, not only for Sean now, uh, but we'll start talking about California. You all know I'm from California originally. Um, unlike uh, the popular discussion around the South, we forget that California has some real Uh, issues concerning authoritarianism, concerning conservatism uh, that impact citizens. It is the deadliest state in the country for police violence. It is um, the second most incarcerated state in the country. Uh, But when we start talking about uh, police reform and justice reform, California is really ground zero. And shortly after the murder of George Floyd, Sean Monterosa uh, threw himself into changing police culture uh, in California. And he was out protesting on behalf of George Floyd when he was shot and killed by one of the deadliest police cultures uh, uh, communities in Northern California, which is the Vallejo Police Department. Um, Recently in in the media and during the the course of this case, we've discovered uh, evidence that Vallejo Police Department engage in a, a practice called badge bending, where they celebrate the murder of civilians. Uh, by bending their actual badges. Uh, it's a part of an ongoing discovery that we're finding about about gang culture within policing in, in Northern California and police violence, um, both sectarian racism, um, um, deeply ingra- ingrained in, into the police culture and then all out um, celebrations of violence. And um, anyway, so the Rosa sisters have taken their, their fight for Sean and they've been exposing uh, the Vallejo Police Department on a national level. And they've been bringing in some, some national figures um, um, into the fight. And so I'm happy to be a part of their case. And We'll talk to you about some of what we've been finding and uh, our next moves to the extent that, that we're, we're willing to show our hand. Okay, uh, Ashley and, and Michelle.
9: Well, first, um, just want to thank you guys for giving us the opportunity to sit here and uh, share what's happening. You know, it's been little over i mean two years two years now and some months um you know only god in the universe knows why our family was chosen um but our june 2nd is every day for us it's just a matter of how we present ourselves but june 2nd we got the call sean's dad Sean's sean's dad we're born and raised in san francisco vallejo like 30 or 40 minutes away um this is all during in california we went into you know lockdown uh, curfews and stuff and we're just like wait what what you know um, but we all shared locations with our brother. And, you know, this is a time we all want to share locations. One another. We we see his ping uh, locations, 1050 Redwood Street, like 1050 Redwood Street. What's he doing in Vallejo? Um, but just even prior to that, just thir- was it 30 minutes before Sean sends us the last text message, Sean texted us, it's the, the change.org petition asking for um, the the um, get justice for George Floyd petition. You know, it takes less than a minute. We respond by saying it actually reacts with the heart. We just kind of went with their evening. And we drove, I remember just driving and feeling sick to my stomach already of just even having that phone call and been driving to Vallejo. We don't know anything about Vallejo. The only thing we grew up knowing is like the rappers who come out of Vallejo and like six flags. That's pretty much all we knew about it. And I remember we just went on a on a trying to figure out answers when we went to the location that was pinged. The officers there on on, on site sent us to the Kaiser, the hospital, it's right there. The people at the Kaiser like. Well, the hospital's on lockdown. We have no answers for you. You got to go back to the crime scene. Go back there. They're like, nope, we don't have answers for you. Go to the police department. We go to the police department. they closed. closed. They're closed. And it's like, you know, we were there from 2 a.m. to 5, like 5.30 in the morning, trying to get answers, trying to get some sort of help. But we're just like going with the picture of Sean and going with the phone locations. Like it says he was here. Like what's happening? You know, there's all these police officers. They all have like AR-15s out, holding them in their hands. Um, and I just remember the last time we were like, okay, he's at neither of these hospital. There's another hospital down the way. Let's just go there. We go there and they say, well, we heard of everything that happened on dispatch all night. Um, you know, if, if your brother's location's there, it's not going to be pretty, you know, just go back and try to get someone to give you some answers. We go back again. The guy says, let me go ask the detective for, uh, you know, for any clarity for you guys, the guy said, Well, you're just gonna have to look up in uh the inmate locator to see maybe he got arrested, you know, maybe he's getting processed, and we, you know, we keep re-emphasizing we're not from here, we're from San Francisco, we don't know where we're going. Um, we go back to the Kaiser and Ashley says, Let me file missing persons report, like maybe somebody can give me uh some guidance. We call 911, the dispatcher says, Let me, you know, let me call and send you to the watch commander. This is where I knew things were already. You know, they weren't going to give us any answers. The watch commander told us, what's your brother's name? We give Sean's name. And then he said, well, you're going to have to find out on TV like everyone else tomorrow. And then this is already 530 in the morning. Already, you know, you're I feel like you have a special bond, a special line um, uh, connected with your loved one. I felt like that line was cut off. So we started going through all these emotions. Uh, We drive back home. We're praying with our mom and our mom's just like we just have to be patient no, no phone call from anybody at the Vallejo Police Department. Um, nothing actually looks again to see if my brother was maybe arrested, nothing in the system. Um, and that was about that evening, I believe they released, the the police department released a statement with no, um, what was it, they didn't even specify to say the condition of Sean or anything. They just said kind of their own little scenario, but no one again didn't reach out and it was till Ashley decided to call. Um, I
10: called the coroner's office of Solano County. Um, I gave them uh, Sean's birth date and his name and that's when we got confirmation that Sean was at the at the coroner's office. Still didn't know what even happened, how he ended up there and we're, we're trying to figure out like where he's at, but all of a sudden he's at a coroner's office. So we were just so confused. We felt nauseous, like still didn't have, no one reached out to us to even let us know what happened until like 72 hours later, we finally get some type of news of what even happened.
9: So the, I remember his name was Detective Kevin Rose, calls our home as we're calling family to coordinate. Sean passed away. We don't know what happened. Um, you know, the news all everyone's calling us. And then this guy calls, he's like, we just want to talk to the parents of Sean Monterosa. My mom's working and my dad was at home, and I remember he's like, I, "We just want to get a statement," and we're like, "A statement about what? We don't even know what's going on." And he's like, "Okay, why well, have you on the line?" Um, and I said, "Well, I can't talk right now. I'm on the phone with my grandma to, you know, let them know everything that's happening." And right now, I hang up. He calls again. He's like, "You know what? Actually, let me have the sisters. Like, I just want to ask you guys some questions." I'm like, "I, I have, I can't answer anything for you, so I just hung up," and then. That's how it pretty much
5: was for us. The first June 1st and June. Wait a minute. Was the, wait one second. Was this the officer who said, who who called the media person? Uh,
9: Detective Kevin Rose. Wow. Meanwhile, all the media pe- people, all the, you know, just everyone's trying to, you know, everyone's trying to just figure out what's happening. Meanwhile, we don't even know what's happening. We're trying to figure out ourselves. Hmm. Um, so it's just a really rough, you know, first 48, 48 hours for our family. Um, but it was just really disheart- It was really hurtful for our family to know you're calling us. You know, you're supposed to be a detective. You're calling us to get a statement, not even to let us know what happened. How did Sean even? You know, everything. So, um, you know, we took on the fight. From I remember, just even the moment, our our previous um former attorney we had was like, you know, you guys have to get on camera. We're asking for two weeks. We're like, we have to process this. It's like you don't understand how uh, how important this is. And that was almost like I felt like a message from God just telling us, like, you can't stop. Hmm. And since then, we haven't stopped.
6: So, you know, I know I know it's kind of painful, but what exactly happened? What was
8: if if you don't mind, I'll I'll pick up on that. Um, And it's important, actually, uh, my son, as you start to ask that question of what actually happened, it uh, reminded me of a time that you and I and Tamika were out in Minnesota. Uh, it was during the middle of all those protests. And so there were a lot of people out in the streets, police were roaming. I remember when I got off the airplane and was walking to my hotel, police stopped and pepper sprayed me on the way by and I was just walking to my hotel. Whoa. This is crazy. Crazy enough, this case was very similar to that. Um, Sean is out while people are uh, protesting. The police, they don't even stop their car. They're still driving and they literally shoot him through the window like a Hmm. drive-by. But bullets go through the front windshield and strike him while he's on his knees with his hands up. He sees police approaching and he begins to attempt to surrender and they shoot him through the window. There are no weapons involved on his part. Uh, There is no shots in the area recently. Uh, This was a, I I don't understand why the officer uh, wasn't uh, drug tested immediately because it was bizarre. Uh, It was a drive-by by law enforcement. So, I mean, during the middle of a protest.
6: During the middle of a protest, during, during the George Floyd... Like It
8: could have easily been any of us. Like The mm-hmm. night that we were out, if mm-hmm. law enforcement decided just to roll up on us, it was that quick.
10: Mm-hmm. There
8: was nothing he could have done. In fact, the best advice I would have given him in that moment was mm-hmm. go to the ground and surrender. And that's exactly what he did. They shot him just like that.
6: Mm-hmm. So how, how many times did they shoot him? What, what...
8: They shot him once with an AR-15 through his neck
9: but they shot five times out the window and the most devastating thing is right they destroyed the evidence of the windshield windshield, you know um once um the release of the footage was released and they were asked to preserve um the windshield you know to forensics and all that stuff the the president of the Vallejo Police Association orders for the destruction of evidence and has another um lieutenant actually just oh we took it out wipe it up you know, put a new car, the car is back on the field. So it's like already little steps of them covering up, you know. Not only did he kill my brother, he but he endangered the other two people who he shot from the back seat, the driver and the passenger, you know. And this is a culture, and we we had to learn about the rituals that happened at Valais with the badge bending, right? The captain already on scene is it's applauding basically Jared Ton, the officer who killed Sean's like, Well, we've been through this before. You'll, we'll, be okay. you'll be okay, you'll get through this, you know. And it's just the whole video is already very chopped and screwed and horrific itself, but it's just like the same thing. We've been through this before. We're going to be okay. You know, not even in mind of like, what's the family going to go through? You should have stopped, not even drive by situation, any of that. Um, what
6: the justification for it. Like, what did they say? The reason why they shot he, him? he said he believed he saw a hammer. I
8: mean, sorry, he believed he saw a gun. Um, but what was discovered on Sean's body later was a hammer. Um, I don't believe that he even saw the hammer because of, the, of where it was found on Sean's body. Uh, but yeah.
9: You know, and this is, we, like I said, once two second happen, we have to like go and be basically be our own detectives, learn about why in Vallejo. They, so, and this is the craziest thing since Vallejo from 2012 to 2020 to Sean, there's been an officer involved shooting each year of killing one or two innocent black or brown um, unarmed men. You Wow. Know? And then, Finding out that the badge bending, um, the captain who was there previously, before the captain that's there, uh, no, the chief, sorry, um, whistleblowed about the badge bending. Then the city and everybody, they fired him. So it's been a, people been aware of this culture, the badge bending, you know, it's something. And we're finding out now, you know, through hearing court transcripts and stuff that. Jeriton could have been a badge bender you know that this is all this is their little internal gang you know this is what they do you know it's already horrific the way we lost sean but to learn that this is something they go behind and celebrate and they could with. have been hunting that night for for a star bent you know
6: so basically basically i didn't mean to cut you off no you're good so basically every time they take a life they bend one of the corners of the badge yes mm. So and basically celebrating that you you killed someone and you took someone's life, That's crazy. You took the life of a loved one, and this is what the police, the public servants are doing.
9: Yeah.
6: Wow.
5: So what is the campaign now to to deal with that? Because so wait, I know.
8: Now, I'm sorry. Uh, so there has been some traction initially. Of course, they went to to cover up the officers' uh, uh, actions. As of now. The as uh, the Montrose sisters mentioned a moment ago, the chief has been replaced with a new chief of police. Uh, There has been a special report or investigative report uh, report uh, done by the city of Vallejo itself that found uh, that this was uh, unjustified shooting. Uh, The officer has been terminated. Uh, However, there was an additional finding recently. By the Civil Service Commission that the officer should be reinstated, the current police chief is trying to block this officer being reinstated. Uh, The police union is trying to have the current police chief removed from his position uh, because he's too reform-minded. The Attorney General's office, Rob Botten, is responsible for the criminal uh, prosecution of this officer. The initial prosecutor uh, uh, bowed out, uh, requested to be removed from the case. Um, and so Rob Botner's office took over as special prosecutors, and they're in the midst of them investigating. Uh, we we plan to do a little bit more uh, as time goes on to put Mr. Botner's feet to the fire uh, to move forward with prosecution.
6: So, h- how many times has this officer, quote unquote, bend his badge? Is that is that known to the public?
9: So through court hearings that have been released, I think they're they're released publicly right now. Um, the So the captain who started the ritual went on stand and testified about who the order, who bent what, what it started with. It, apparently, the 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 ritual came from another um, surrounding police department and Concord Police Department, then went to Oakland. Then it, it's then it, the hub is basically in Vallejo. So it's been happening in Vallejo since... 2002 2002 and he basically named all the officers who are part of it so it's kind of like initiation if i you know if one of us do this then we go and init, you know i go bet yours and you go bet someone's it's like that and through those um transcripts jerry ton's name was popped up so we have reason to believe that that night he was going out to get his second one but jerry ton's been in three other um shootings you know he mm-hmm. has he never killed the other the other ones but sean's his first fatality and Geraton is the second I believe in the department to have the most um according with another officer named Steve Darden the most officer involved shootings under their belt so and
10: this is an officer Geraton the officer who killed our brother has came from a different uh police department because he had misconduct in this other police department so there's this thing in california where there is now there's through sb2 senator bradford's law of police decertification there is now a process to decertify bad officers to prevent them from bouncing around from county to county and from police departments but this is a person who's a known bad apple who's a bad cop who's always
9: been trying to kill people you know this is the longest period i want to say two years since Sean's death, that the officers of the Vallejo Police Department haven't killed anybody
10: mm.
9: No, And we stopped the ritual from 2012 to 2020 of them killing more people. And
10: we can't thank fish for swimming, we can't applaud fish for swimming, but it just goes to show that community pressure, what everyone's doing, the collective work of everybody is really making a difference. And so we just gotta keep applying that pressure. And I like to say all gas, no brakes, even though sometimes we need to take those breaks, but you know, we gotta keep pushing.
6: No, so I just want to say, so what can what can we do now? What can people do? You know, how can we lend support to make sure that these officers are f- fired and and actually prosecuted? Because this is this is murder, you know, and and these are murderers. They they're pretty much in a gang, you know, setting out to find the next kill. So what can we do? You know, listen and do.
8: Not only murderers, but taxpayers sponsored murderers. And so for this gang that our tax dollars are sponsoring, there are two um decision makers that you all can reach out to that we're asking you to reach out to First is the new chief of uh, the vallejo police department showing your support for his um his, his decision to uh, pursue progress for his support of the prosecution of Jerick Tan and for his termination uh, i think he needs to hear voices of support around him and uh, the media needs to see that the community supports the reform that he's pursuing in vallejo and then For criminal accountability for these officers, we're asking you to reach out to the office of Attorney General Rob Botner. His office has been investigating this case for well over a year now. They have more than enough evidence to issue arrest warrants uh, and to place the men responsible for uh, Stein's uh, death and cover up in custody.
5: Well, thank you all so much. I mean, you guys, first of all, just to see you, Ashley and Michelle, just... Blossomed so much from where you started when this all happened to where you are now. It's unfortunate that it takes extreme trauma and tragedy sometimes to develop the world's leaders. Um, Your voice and your understanding and your ability to, you, you just have such clarity in terms of how you walked us through all of this and what's the next steps and what's happening with the police department. And it would actually do them good, which I know they never think this is true, but it is to work closer with you all so that they can create systems that one, respect people when issues happen. So first of all, we don't want the issues to happen at all. So we we know that, but that's a long fight that we're all involved in um, nationally. But just looking at how they responded to you, the same thing happened to Brianna Taylor's mother, going back and forth to the hospital all the night, going to the apartment where Brianna was shot, then going to the hospital back and forth. And the officers and, and, and the detectives and others, it's not that it was just a mix up. They knew she was in the house dead on the ground. They knew that. But they wanted to send her mother around in a loop so that she would not find out what was going on and have questions on the scene so all of this is intentional and then there is so much disrespect involved and I don't ever want us to normalize it to say that you guys are going to be there to tell them well if you kill people black and brown people this is how you deal with it but there's but that behavior that attitude that -hmm. they had with how they treated you and the detective calling and all of that That's the same attitude that plays out in the conversation we just had, um, Lee, about uh, Miss Geis. It's the same attitude that plays out with how police officers deal with people all over the nation, which can lead to someone losing their life because there is such a lack of respect for our community. So I just want to say to you ladies that I was going to say you girls because, you know, y'all are like our babies at this point that we love you. We appreciate you. We stand with you. um, You know, we support you all. And we are really, really, really sorry that your lives have ended up this way. You should be on the beach, having a good time, living life and not even thinking about this type of work, but you are invested. And, and, you know, God has unfortunately allowed a tragedy in order to lift you to, to, to help others. So
10: thank y'all. Thank you. you. Look, I did not I don't remember signing up to be God's strongest soldier, but somehow he picked us. Um, and here we are. You know, we're just trying to pick up the pieces and do whatever we can. And and our brother was a fighter. He uh, he was a hustler. He had to do what he had to do. And he, here we are. We hear him saying, "Stop crying. Do something about it." You know. And we're doing something about it. Um, and you know, it, unfortunately, it's not the journey we chose, but it's the show. Jo- it's the journey that's been given to us. And we're just, you know, we're pushing and praying, and we're doing everything we can. Um, not just for Sean, but we really just want to be the last family impacted by the Vallejo Police Department. And we we're gonna make it happen.
8: How do people join the movement if they want to follow you online? What's your hand?
9: Um, you guys can follow us. Um, we're not, we haven't formalized our work yet. Um, you know, this is a daily work we do out of heart and are going to do it forever. Um, but you guys can stay tuned um, with the work we do and just follow updates on the case Justice for Sean underscore on Instagram
10: and Justice for Sean on Twitter. Um, And we also have a website, standwithsean.com where you can stay updated. um, And we have a website. So yeah, (laughs) that's where folks can come and support us.
9: And you know, I think right now (laughs) we applied so much pressure in Vallejo that the city officials canceled all their meetings of August. So um, we plan to pack the, the city council meeting September 13th again. We still need to hear um, an update on the termination of Jeraton and, you know, the um, the badge banning report. You know, that's something that the public should know. Which officers are in their communities patrolling and are part of this ritual? So, you know, um, we'll coordinate with Lee in other ways. In any ways, you know, we want to get you guys out to California, and you know, we'll we'll we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah, make we'll, we sure yeah. we 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 want to come. Call our sister, Carmen, at
5: Justice League and tell her to pay for our tickets so we can get there, because <laughs> we need a hotel. Yes. We, we got love you it.
6: guys, and we got your back, man. Continue to fight. Justice for Sean. Thanks,
5: Thank right. you all. Peace out. Thank you. Thank you, Attorney Lee Merritt. We appreciate, we appreciate you. you guys. you worked with us today for a whole hour. We'll yeah, see Lee. You.
6: Lee, 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 we'll we, we picked your brain today,
5: man. <laughs> I appreciate
8: Thank you all. Take it easy, OK? Bye.
1: Bye. Hey everyone, I am so excited. The Black Effect is live. This April 27th, the 2024 Black Effect Podcast Festival is headed to Atlanta's very own Pullman Yards. Last year was incredible, and this year will be even more thrilling, especially with Nissan coming back along for the ride. Nissan is returning with some empowering activations to support Black excellence in the steam fields. Have a podcast idea you've been eager to share with the culture? Well, Nissan is back with the Pitch Your Podcast Lounge. You'll have the chance to record your podcast idea and have it shared with the Black Effect podcast network team. But that's not all. Nissan is taking the stage to spotlight some of the HBCU scholars from their own Thrill of Possibility Summit, Nissan's action-packed weekend of community building, mentorship, and professional development for HBCU scholars pursuing professions in STEAM. The Black Effect Podcast Festival is the event to be at. You won't want to miss This Because no matter where life takes you, Nissan will dial up the thrill of your adventures. Visit BlackEvec.com forward slash podcast festival for more details.
0: Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of Black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
2: at t connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to Voices That Glow.
3: ibrant's 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with hr positive her2 negative nbc as the first hormonal based therapy ask your doctor about ibrant's and visit ibrant's.com Tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite.
4: This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu That's how
5: we own it. You know what I think? I think that people want to look because they're just so hopeless and we've been beaten so much. People want to look at police encounters as Lee said as like individual circumstances and instances. They want to be like, well, in this situation, it was this. And in that situation is that. And, and it's not, it's, a, it's an entire system. It's an entire system and it is failing tremendously.
6: The reality for me is just that, you know, people just don't understand that. Some people, some people. Well, there are a lot of I think a lot of people just don't get that policing is a job. Right. And, right. And there are requirements. There are criterias like, you know, just like you, you explained walking into the restaurant. Like if you go to the, doc, the doctor, I might know that I need stitches. Right. I could look and see a stitch, but I, I can't stitch me up. Right. I'm not I, if you. You're supposed to stitch me up good. And if you don't do it right, you are liable for not doing it right. There are requirements that come with being a doctor. You know, and that's the reason why you get paid this money. That's the reason why you get a title, right? And police have a title of a public servant, and I and think, a
5: badge and a gun,
6: and a badge and a gun. So you have, you have, the you have the onus is on you to make sure things end up right. You know, you have the higher responsibility than I do. You know, because you understand things that I don't. A lot of times, police are interacting with basic civilians. Who who really haven't had interaction with police, right? Sometimes, like, you know, when you look at Amber Geis, like, I mean, Angel Geis, when you look at her situation, I don't think this, I think this is probably her first interaction with a police officer. So she's she's given you interpretation of the law the way she knows it and she interprets it. And it's your job to to properly interpret, right? It's your job to make interactions with police, even if they if they have to end up where you have to you know, contain somebody, you have to give somebody a ticket because people are not happy about that. Nobody's going to be happy about that. So police have a very difficult job, I will not lie. And that's why everybody shouldn't be a police officer. You this know, I was, I was having a conversation with the, a lady police officer. She was like, well, you know, what's the responsibility of people? I said, the responsibility of people is to do their best, but their responsibility Whatever is, the is- Whatever that their best is, right? And, and, and a lot of times it's not, it shouldn't be better than yours, right? Their, their ability to de-escalate should not be better than the people who are paid to de-escalate and the people mm-hmm. who are paid to protect and serve. I should not be able to do your job better than you do, you know? Right. And Everybody, it's sometimes if it's the job you have, you don't want the job, you shouldn't do the job. If you're angry today, if you're having something, maybe you shouldn't go to work. Maybe you should call out because you know that you have to be your best self in interacting with people. Like if you work at police, have, you have to look at police as a customer service job. If I walk at McDonald's and, I, and, 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 I'm, and I'm looking at the screen, and I'm saying, "Y'all want a cheeseburger. Matter of fact, no, no, I want fries. No Matter of fact, I might be indecisive. I might not know exactly what I want, right? It's your job to to deal with me or help me. Okay, what would you like? What, what, are you, what is the combination that you're actually looking for so I can give you some help? Not to be like, yo, could you hurry up? You don't got all
5: day to do it. That- no, you- <laughs> Yeah, I'm laughing because that's what you do. You go places and sit there five minutes while the waiter stands there and go, I think I want this. I don't want that. And you're going to eat the same thing every time. It doesn't matter. To the point that, where now, Linda, is, she orders your food. Yeah,
6: but the thing is, with it's customer service, I don't have to be rushed to tell you about what I want, right? Because regardless but of what- so it gets on it, people's But terms, it shouldn't though. because the reality of the situation is you- I get what you're saying. You have a shift, right? Within that shift, even if you work with one person, you still getting the same check. Right. The, the, nobody ain't telling you, yo, you got to walk away from that table. No, they
5: are. Who? They are. And see, that's the problem. The big problem here is that they are. They're telling you, you have to give a certain amount of tickets out per night or during your shift. They feel you aren't working. Exactly. That's exactly what the problem so those are
6: is. All the problems. The, the system exactly. of policing is bad. And then you hire officers who are angry about the system of policing who don't know how to do their job in a fashion that doesn't, you know, that doesn't infringe upon the the rights and the ability of the citizens. So it's it's a clusterfuck, you know, and and I hate when people want to give the onus on a citizen. I am a... Human being, I don't have any training and that's why I'm not a police officer because I probably would've failed the academy. I get angry. I'm mad when you give me a ticket. I'm mad I get pulled over. I'm mad when you yell at me. I'm mad when you try to expose because I feel like I'm an alpha male. So when you try to impose your will and your power on me, that's not gonna work. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, when you come to me with some level of courtesy and you speak to me in a manner with respect, I'm gonna speak to you the same way. But the minute that you try to impose your will on me, then now you, you're, you're a human being like me. I don't give a fuck about the rest of that. That badge does not give you the authority and the ability to disrespect me or talk down to me or make me feel like I'm powerless because... Well, it does.
5: I, that's unfortunate. But,
6: but it doesn't because regardless, of, that's, not what, that's not what the law says. The law says that you're supposed to protect and serve. You're supposed to interpret the law. You're supposed to govern the law. You're supposed to utilize the law to make the best decision, but not for you to try to make me feel like you have a power over me. That's that's not that's not the policing you talk about. And if that's what policing looks like, then we're gonna have a lot of interactions where the community does not like the police. Shout out to um my brother um Jay Jordan. I just went to a convention for the the launching of Time Done. You know and that's that's a big thing tom dunn is working to give back gives on um, formerly incarcerated citizens back their rights in First full rights, they're, yeah. they're over they're over seventy thousand rights things what we call collateral consequences of being incarcerated when you when you when you are deemed rehabilitated and you re-enter society you should be able to be a full citizen so that's what time dunn is looking to do they're, they're actually looking to, after you've served your time, and, and you, if you have a certain amount of parole, and you've done certain amount of things, that your your record is completely expunged to where it doesn't show up that you ever had a record, so that you're not criticized, you know? And, and that goes to my, I don't get it. You know, I don't get how a person serves their sentence. You do 10 years. You did a crime, they sentence you, you to 10 years and five years probation and parole or whatever. And you come home, you do the 10 years and you do the five years. And yet you still are serving a sentence because you there are criterias and you can't be a dog walker. You can't cut hair. You can't travel. I can't go to Canada. You know, I told the story about what happened in, um, in the White House, you know, how we do all this work, we come home, we redeem ourselves and you're invited to do after work, after you do, we've done all this work to get these laws passed and I get to the White House and they tell me that I'm on the list, that I can't go in, you know? So things like that, th- those, those things hurt, you know? It, it, when you do a lot of this work and you, and you working hard, a lot of people feel like, what am I working hard for? I serve my debts to society, you know, I've come home, I'm, I'm living the right life. I'm, I'm a productive citizen and still all these barriers and things stopping me from being able to, to really fully excel, man. You know, I, I literally can't go to Canada. I got people that want to book me to go to Canada to do shows for the last 15 years and, and they won't allow me into Canada. I actually was detained, you know, when I, when I went, um, I forgot exactly where it was, but they detained me because I had a formal record. You know, and I was on tour with the game, and they they wouldn't allow me to go into. I forgot exactly where it was, but I know that I was. I sat in a detained knee center for three days before wow. I back to the U.S. You know, so you know we 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 tell people turn your life around. We turn we 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 sentence them, and they fulfill them sentences, but yet you come home and you still treat it like. You're serving the sentence, you know. So I really don't get that, man. Hopefully, time done. I do.
5: It's called chattel slavery. It, what they say, slavery by another name. So they, 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 because as we know in the Constitution, if you're in prison, you are still not. You're not considered to be like a full human, uh, full man. And so I think, uh, you know, this this gives them the ability to, you know, I, I was listening to Jamila. T. Davis talking about how she did all of this time, 12 years, she has completed her parole. She's done all of this incredible work in communities. We see it every day. We know what she does, working with young people, uh, working with women. And now she's still paying, what is it, restitution charges of millions of dollars. Meanwhile, the white men who taught her how to do the crimes that she committed, they don't have any of that. So the system is, and that's why you can't. Like I don't want to hear much about. Oh well, is you, you border on yourself, and you need to do this and that. And I, I can't. It's very difficult for me to get into those conversations. Yes, certainly we could tell people, hey, you gotta, you know, make sure that you get home safe. So therefore, you have to conduct yourself in a way that protects you, because people, you know, you, 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 you're, you're, we're in a situation where. We're dealing with people and a system that is, I'll say dangerous, but also it's, it's, it's not mature. It's not, it, it, it has too much ego and, and, and therefore you're, you're not protected. So I understand that. I wouldn't say, but that still does not mean that it's right. What is happening. And so when we try to justify these things, it upsets me because if we understand what this system is, how it was designed, and how it still operates today, then it is it is designed to, to, to put punitive damages before community interaction, right? It is designed to feed capitalism. And that is where the cha- the major challenge is, we're feeding financial resources into a society so other people can get rich and our people can stay poor that's that's why they go they don't tick, they're not giving a white woman a ticket about that incident that happened it's not going to happen my i'm not saying it never happens i'm saying the majority of the time it won't happen they're not going into white neighborhoods ticketing and forcing white people to sign tickets and all of that they are charging us to be oppressed so that's why what's happening, they don't want you, they want you to, to go back to prison. They want you to struggle. They want you to commit crimes so that this way we can continue to feed the system. And there's no other way to think about it because if you didn't want people to continue to go back to prison, to feed the system, to commit crimes and what have you, then you would find ways to make sure somebody can walk dogs as a for a living, somebody could have a barbershop for a living, you would find ways to make sure that happens.
6: Another great show. You know, I wanna shout out our brother, attorney Lee Merritt for coming on and tackling and giving his expertise, his legal mind, along with his logical mind about certain things. You know, also wanna shout out the Monterosa sisters whose fight for their brother is you know, tremendous. we we've seen these young ladies for the last two years and we watched them, like you said, grow into activists and advocates and 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 speak so strongly and 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 understand what it calls for them to do in this moment. So I just want to shout them out and make sure that you support them. We live in times that are very hard for everyone, but those who are paid to protect and serve, those civil servants, you know, those people who we look for, to have some level of safety that are supposed to ensure that our rights are given to us, or make sure that we're safe, they have a higher standard than the average citizen, you know. And I know a lot of times you're going to see citizens do things wrong because they don't know. A lot of people don't know. A lot of people.
5: Sometimes if, people know and they commit crimes. And some people just commit
6: crimes. And, and exactly. And, and we and we're not trying to justify anything, but we do know that citations shouldn't end up and people being tossed to the ground and locked in jail. You know, we know those things shouldn't happen. And when those things happen, we have to look to the people who who who's supposed to have the higher level of the higher standard, who's supposed to be held to the higher standard, man. So, you know, I'm always going to advocate for justice to be done. And we also going to advocate for accountability. But we know that if policing is done properly in communities, there are a lot less Arrest and a lot less people being hurt. So let's understand that. Let's support each other. Let's love each other. Let's try to reimagine what policing looks like in our communities. I'm calling on if you're a police officer and you're watching this, you know, understand that you're human beings, understand that you have emotions, understand that you deal with the same thing that us as regular citizens do. But just understand that we're not paid to to deal with those things. We don't have the training to deal with those things. So a lot of times we're looking for you to deescalate. We're looking for you to, to know the laws. We're looking for you to be the level-headed one. And we know that it works because it works in communities that not of color and not don't live in poverty. So when you try it in our communities, maybe it'll work there too. With that said, I'm not gonna always be right. Tamika's not gonna always be wrong, but we will both always, and I mean, Always be authentic.
5: Listen to Street Politicians on the Black Effect Network on iHeartRadio.
6: And catch us every single Wednesday for the video version of Street Politicians on iWomen.tv. That's how we own it! AT&T connects an ode to podcasts.
3: Zumo Zumo Play.